my dad's favorite movie star was Clint Eastwood. <clears throat> Anything Clint was in, he would watch. We spent many a many a Saturday uh, watching Rawhide on Channel 39 and 33 and 27 back in the day. Uh, you know, I saw lots of movies with Clint and that orangutan, you know, Anywhere But Loose, all those good things. The Outlaw, Josie Wales. Of course, we watched all the TV edited movies, so um, I didn't see all the gory stuff. Because, you know, Clint had that one movie, or first of a series of movies, called Sudden Impact. Remember Sudden Impact? Yeah. Where he played Dirty Harry. And there's that scene in that show <clears throat> where he goes in distracted to buy his cup of coffee. And he orders this cup of coffee from the lady who's been giving him coffee for 10 years. And he always orders his coffee the same way black. And as he's reading the paper, she's making this big deal about pouring this sugar into his coffee. And she just keeps pouring the sugar into his coffee. And he keeps reading the paper, just oblivious. And finally she stops. He says thank you and takes the cup and walks outside with it. Begins to walk away, takes a sip and spits it out everywhere. And he turns around and starts noticing the things that are a little off inside of the coffee shop. The signs are being changed to be closed and there are people he doesn't recognize. And so the camera shoots into the coffee shop and you have four armed men robbing the place and you try to take everything and then here comes Dirty Harry walking in the back of the kitchen door. The guy says, what are you doing here? He says, well, I forgot her name. She's been doing my coffee for 10 years the same way. Black. This morning, she added sugar to it. And so, so I'm back here and we're not going to let you get away with this. And he said, who's we? He said, Smith, Wesson, and myself. <laughs> And the guy goes to draw on him, he pulls and he shoots all four guys, and the last guy gets up wounded again and grabs the waitress and pulls the gun to her head. And as the cops are pulling up outside, he has his 44 Magnum loaded and he says that famous line, go ahead, make my day. I almost called this sermon this morning God's dirty hairy moment. <laughs> Because God says something very similar in our text. This morning we are in Malachi chapter 3 as we continue in our series in Malachi, Return to Me. Um, and we have five verses. Not very much to look at, but there's a lot there. And there in Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 7. It says, Since the days of your fathers you have turned from my statutes, you have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you ask, how can we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. You ask, how do we rob you? By not making the payments of the tent and the, and the contributions. You are suffering under a curse, yet you, the whole nation, are still robbing me. Bring the full tent into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not ruin the produce of your land, and your vine and your field will not fail to produce fruit, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will consider you fortunate, 
for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings. <clears throat> Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel of the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people say. Amen. Amen. The devil has uh, been working this week trying to silence this sermon, I do believe. Um, trying to keep my voice away from me, but also some little expenses that have come up, some things that have happened, either both here in the church and at home and things like that. And <clears throat> this is one of those texts where when I read it, there's almost an audible groan. Rocks to go, oh. We pick up here where we left off last week. <laughs> that God doesn't change. Everything Malachi is saying in this chapter is, is rooted in that one truth. God doesn't change. He's the same. His holiness is the same. His standards are the same. His omnipotence is the same. God is the same. Unfortunately, so are we at times. Humans always have one trait that never changes. We fail. We fail. We fall. We turn away when we don't get our way. And the people have begun going through the motions. Their religion has turned dead. And God begins to say, in verse 7, he says to them, to return to me. We learn here that if we return to God, we'll recognize his faithfulness to us. He says, return to me and I will return to you. But God's really kind of placating Israel here a little bit. Because the truth is, God never left. Remember where we just started? God doesn't change. He doesn't change. He is right where he's always been. But Israel has positioned itself where it cannot hear from or be blessed by God. They have taken steps or not taken steps to put themselves where they need to be. They are so outside his will that God says you're living under a curse. I'm not hearing you. I'm not taking your offerings. I'm not taking your sacrifices. You know, a note to the wise here is that if you find yourself not hearing from God or not feeling blessed by Him, it wasn't God that moved. Have you ever found yourself in that situation where you're lying in bed at night hollering, where are you, God? <clears throat> well, God hadn't moved. God didn't go anywhere. God is right where He's always been. If I can't feel God, if I can't sense God, if I'm not there, it's not God that's moved, it's me. I've done something. I've put something in the way. i put something, sometimes it's minuscule, that we don't even think about that we've done, that makes us have this roadblock between us and God. When God says, return to me and I will return to you, what he really means is return to me and you will again know my presence and blessing. When you return to me, you will know what it was like once again to be blessed. You will know what it was like once again to feel my spirit. To feel my presence. You will understand what it's like again to be guided by me. But you have to return. You have to come back. You know, that's, that's, that's always the key, isn't it? How many people do we know that are struggling in this world, wondering why God has abandoned them? But they don't want to come back. They don't want to go back to God and say, God, I messed up. I goofed up. 
It's me. We get to this place where pride kind of messes with our minds, right? I didn't do anything wrong. Are you sure? We learned that as a child, don't we? <laughs> wasn't me. I have, I have a fourth child somewhere in my house. His name is wasn't me. Not me. He goes by many names. Not me. Wasn't me. It was her and it was him. Same person. They just had different names. That's where we start. That's where this all starts. Because God begins to say to them, return to me. And I'll return to you. How can we return to you? We're here in the land. We're, we're making sacrifices. We're going to the temple. We're going through the motions. We're checking off all the things on our Sunday school envelope. We're doing all the things we're supposed to do. How do we return to you? <coughs> and then God gives them an answer here that's kind of a... <laughs> bit tough. Basically, he says, we position ourselves away from and opposite of God when we choose not to do the things that God commands us to do. In this instance, God chooses something that is probably the most divisive thing in the entire church to this day. Money. That's, that's what he chooses to talk about. It can go for anything, but here he talks about money. Because there are all sorts of, of things, all sorts of commands that God gives us that if we refuse to do, we are positioning ourselves in a place that we can't hear from or be blessed by God. And we could go through the list, but we'd be here forever. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm not loving my neighbor. I can't expect that God's going to be blessing me and raining things down upon me. Um, keeping the Sabbath holy. If we don't spend time with God and set aside some time for Him that's just His, are we following His commands? Can we receive all the blessings if we don't do that? In this situation, it's about money. He begins to talk about money, and you know, you probably just went, Greg, this is that sermon. <laughs> Why is the preacher going to talk about money? Is God really interested in my money? <clears throat> Pastor by the name of Jerry Shirley wrote a quote one time that I read that, that I have written down in different places and it's here in my notes. It says, God is interested in your money not because he needs your money or he certainly does not but because you need it. Since you are important to God your money is important to God. He says, you're robbing me. <laughs> you're robbing me. Say, how are we robbing you? And God says, by not bringing the full tithe into the storehouse. Is this about God being greedy? I know me. But Jesus says, where your treasure is, so your heart will be. It's hard. To claim to love Jesus if we don't want to give to Jesus. I'm proud of Shiloh a while ago for saying, hey, it's Mama's birthday. Spend the dollar on her. 
It's hard for me to claim to love Carrie if I never spend anything on Carrie. Right? I mean, eh. who needs to eat? I mean, I went grocery shopping this week because my kids think they need to eat. I don't know where they got that from. You know, they think you have to eat. But I do that. Why? Because I love them. It's the same thing with God. God has said, you're robbing me because he says, you know, where your treasure is, your heart will be. You know, it's this, when you come to the realization that everything we have is not yours, you begin to, to come to a point where you'll understand the mentality of the time. In my house, we spend a lot of time talking about things not being yours. <laughs> right? That's mine! But, and it always comes back to, well, technically, you're living under my roof. It's mine. If she wants to play with it, she can play with it. You have to learn this, this idea that not everything is ours. Tithing's a sign that we understand who the true owner of our stuff is. When, when we see something is ours, we want to say in how it's used. Right? One of the things that I've always hated when uh, I go to any college is gifts that are made with strings. I will give you all new equipment for your Bible classrooms as long as you put a plaque on the door that says I gave you. Okay. It's one thing if the plaque comes from the thankfulness of the people who received it. It's another one the string is given. There was once a, a church whose treasurer resigned, and in a pinch, the church asked the local grain elevator manager to take the position. And he agreed under two conditions. <clears throat> one, that no financial report would be given for the first year. And two, that no questions will be asked about finances during that year. People were surprised, but finally agreed, since most of them did business with him and he was trusted. At the end of the year, he finally gave his report. <laughs> the church indebtedness of $228,000 has been paid off. The pastor's salary has been increased by 8%. The cooperative program gifts have been paid 200%. There are no outstanding bills. And there is a cash balance of $11,252. Immediately, the shocked congregation said, how did you do that? Where did the money come from? And he quietly answered, well, most of you bring your grain to my elevator. Throughout the year, I simply withheld 10% on your behalf and gave it to the church in your name. And you didn't even miss it. When you never take ownership, greed can't take over. You know, my, my, my taxes are a bit complicated. The hardest thing to do, and anybody who's self-employed has the same issue, the hardest thing to do is to set aside that part that you know you have to send in. Right? Because once you got it, you don't want to send it. 
You know, I mean, I, I didn't have that issue whenever I was an employee and taxes were taken out of my check. I never missed it. You know, when, you, when you're 16, you get your first check and they took 25% out. You get mad, but you get used to it and you don't miss it. When you don't take ownership, greed can't take over. Those people at that church went, oh, they've been given 10% technically. They've probably been given more than that, right? Because he'd been given 10% on their behalf and they were given what they normally gave anyway. They never missed it. Because they didn't take ownership. And, and that's what the tithe is supposed to teach us, is that we go, oh, this isn't mine. It doesn't belong to me. What usually happens is when things go great, we follow God wonderfully. Ah, oh, man. Thanks, my, my, my pockets are just busting full, and I'm just going to, I'm going to give, and I'm going to give, and I'm going to give. But when things don't, you begin to stop following God. That was the way of Israel. Israel was bringing in just a little bit. It's the way of believers today. And God says, return. And he said, how do we, how do we return? They said, be obedient. And God is so certain in his promise that he invites a test of his faithfulness. This is what I was going to call God's dirty, hairy moment. Test me in this. Go ahead. Make my day. Says, go ahead and do it. Bring the whole tithe in. Bring even more and see if I don't pour out blessing upon you. Said, I'm going to pour out so much you're not going to know what to do. I'm going to get the devourer away from your fields. Your vines are going to produce some fruit. Everything's going to go like it needs to go. I'll give you more than you can imagine if you'll simply do what I've asked you to do. He says, test the tithe. Think about the tithe. Is there is a lot of there is a lot of argument <clears throat> in the church today about whether the tithe is something that we do, right? That's Old Testament. Okay. Does that mean it's worthless? I, I, I would submit to you that Jesus tithed. And if our goal is to be like Jesus, we should be like Jesus. But the funny thing about the tithe is often it feels like you can't do it. Often it feels like <clears throat> two plus one equals three. And for me to tithe, I need four. That's what it often feels. I mean, I, I tell every couple that, that I counsel before they get married that marriage math is fuzzy. I know you think that 30,000 plus 30,000 equals 60,000. It doesn't. When you get married, for some reason, 30,000 plus 30,000 equals 25,000. I can't explain it, but that's how it works. Marriage math is funny. But the tithe is the same way on the opposite. Because when you tithe, God blesses. When you tithe, God begins to, to grow. And, and it's the complete tithe. When you do what God has called you to do, 
Funny story. <laughs> I've struggled with credit score all my life because of medical bills. My credit score will go down. Because every once in a while, something will show up from, you know, how many ever years ago because somebody bought it until they pull it back out. And there was a time when I had struggled and I couldn't get anything done. But then I began to tithe the full time. And the next day my credit score went up to 800. I couldn't explain it. The only way I could explain it was God. God pulls out blessings. When we test the tithe, God gives us that. He's, he's so sure, he's so certain that his promise is true that he says, test me in this. I mean, it's like drawing a line and saying, here it is. Just test me. And, and Carrie can tell you, in our lives, when we haven't given all we're supposed to give in the time, things never come together. They fall apart. You're going with oh. Well, I need this to pay for this. And then you pay for that and you still can't pay for everything else. But, but when we're faithful in the time, the things you need sometimes just show up. I told you before about checks in the mail that you never expect are just there. Two years ago, We got a check during the middle of COVID. And we had a huge bill we didn't know we were going to pay for. And we got a check from Blue Cross Blue Shield for $700. Because I didn't use my insurance enough that year. Never heard of anything like that before. But God takes care of those things. And so he's called us to, to test the time. Because tithing is a sign that you trust God to care for your needs. Did Israel trust God to care for them? At that point, they didn't. Do we trust God to care for us? Man. Because 10% sounds like so much, right? That's a whole dime out of that dollar over there that I put in the plate. I remember when a dime seemed, seemed like big money to me. To our kids today, you know, they like it's only a dollar. Because <laughs> you can't buy anything with a dime anymore. It's easy to think, I need this. It's easy to think this is this is what I have to have. But God just asks you a simple question, test the time. Test it. Trust me to be who I say that I am. A God that doesn't change. Did you know that Jesus talked about money a lot? About three quarters of the parables use money in some component of it. Why do you think he did that? Because money is important to us. Maybe sometimes too important. Because although Jesus coming and dying completes the law, 
It doesn't negate the need for us to trust God. <coughs> this is a little bit different sermon today. Because I'm not Jesus. I don't like to talk about money all that often. But it's in the text, and I'm not going to back away from the text. Standing here sweating. Most of y'all aren't, but I am. And as I sit here and sweat, I can hear my family in the back there. And I know how much greater it is for me to stand in front of that thing. But I have to position myself to be in front of that thing in order to feel the blessing of that air. What God says with the tithe is test the tithe. And if you do that, you're positioning yourself to receive blessings from Him like you've never imagined. <coughs> Maybe this morning, maybe you haven't been bringing the full time. Maybe you've been holding back. Maybe, maybe this is something that God has been laying upon your heart and you've been struggling going, but, but it's just so hard. I can't make ends meet. God says testing. God says he is faithful. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he will pour out into your life blessings if we're faithful. And we have to believe that. And we have to trust that. Maybe today's the day that God is saying to you, I'm going to do that. Test the time. Maybe today you want to pray and the altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to start a missions or ministry. Maybe you want to go to church and membership. Maybe today, out of this sermon, you feel Jesus calling you to come and give your life to him. Because like I told the kids earlier, everything we have belongs to him, including the air that we breathe, the life that we have. If that's the day, come down the aisle and say, I want to know Jesus, so we'll go from there. Trust him with everything you have. Because he's always there. Wherever you're at this morning, whatever you need, though, give it to him. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we come to you right now. We thank you. We praise you for your blessings.